Hi, and welcome to the second Humans of University of Bristol podcast with our current spotlight on voicing vulnerability. Today we have Rhi and Ellie on the show, and we are in the, who are both, as am I, in the final year of our Master of Liberal Arts course. And you've just returned back to Bristol. How does it feel being back? I don't know. I think we, we talk about this quite a bit because there's some, some part of me feels like it hasn't changed at all. And it's just mm-hmm. like I've stepped straight back into the, the Bristol that I was I left then another part everything seems so different and I think I think that's more the people side of things a lot of people that I was friends with have obviously left and so it's a different Bristol I think my confusing conclusion is that it's a different Bristol but it's still the same Bristol yeah is that the same for you yeah it's like it makes no sense but I think everyone who also did a year abroad it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's exactly what it's like. Yeah. It's completely the same, but also nothing's the same. Yeah. And like, I'm not, like, yeah. like you're, the thing is, you're not the same anymore, mm-hmm. I think, is the issue. Yeah. Not weird. issue, it's just the... There is, like, this adjustment process, I guess, of, like, yeah. you know, finding yeah. your feet again, mm. backing down. But how have you both been getting on generally past few weeks? Well, as we are all on the master's programme, it's, it's just weird being master's students without an undergraduate degree. I think I, I speak to some master students in my units and they're like, oh, so what was your undergrad in? And I'm like, oh, well, technically I'm still doing it. And it's, it's a weird one because I don't feel like I'm ready, but I guess I am. Um, so these, these, these kind of, it's, been, it's been a nice and like month or so back. And especially it's like, well, I don't have any deadlines until January. It's just trying to get back into the swing of things, I think. But generally good. Yeah, I think I've been enjoying it overall. Um, and you know finding a new routine and stuff I think towards the end of summer I was getting I just needed to get back and start doing something I just Mm -hmm. didn't like having yeah I I think I had my biggest adjustment process from being back from my year abroad like over the summer period where I was like this is so strange yeah I don't yeah it was quite difficult like not I don't want to say difficult but it it was quite strange overall like the summer yeah but it was good to get back into a routine it was long it was a very long summer and I yeah. think we were all ready to go to go back I think mm-hmm. also with what you were saying about going into the masters not having done an undergrad I think I've kind of felt like this the whole time with liberal arts like every time I've been in a module with English students they'll they'll be talking about a core module that they're all doing that I don't know what they're saying or people will reference something that I don't quite understand because I haven't I didn't do Beowulf or something Mm. there's something like unique in that in terms of liberal arts students never really feel up to chase with the rest of like their departmental cohort so let's say philosophy students did a formal logic unit and I didn't and I'm like oh maybe I'll just never be as good at them at doing certain things but then I think there's also on a universal level are we all just negotiating fears of failure and fears of like not being good enough in our kind of departmental cohort? Because I think it's quite common, probably. Yeah, I think yeah. definitely with lots of people I've been talking about recently, imposter syndrome. And I think I definitely feel that a lot throughout yeah, my time at uni and with liberal arts. But also I've been trying to not think that so much. And like, I don't know, I am there and I actually do, the essays do go okay in the end. Um, and probably maybe everybody feels a bit like... I think. In some ways, I've always been like, oh, I'm on, I'm on the outskirts, looking in at like what history would be. But then sometimes I'm like, oh, thank but God also, I'm not doing history. Yeah. I think people are finally starting to realise who we are. Yeah. I think in first year when I would go to a professor and say at liberal arts, they're like, oh, is that, is that something new we're doing? Yeah. Um, but I think now finally, well, it was now in fourth year, people are like, oh yeah, liberal arts, because they might have like, experienced a, a student yeah. in other years. And I've met loads of people this year going to more events who when people have thought of freshers and stuff 
um, and they've been like, oh, liberal arts, I really want to do that. It sounds so good. And I'm, I kind of think, yeah, it is really yeah. good, you know. It is, It's yeah. just because it's just, we're just finding our feet and as soon as people start to know when you when you say, oh, I do liberal arts and you start to get people nodding and not looking like they're pretending to understand what you're saying. Oh, do you do art? Oh no. my gosh, no. <laughs> they definitely do not. I know that like in terms of like conversations students have had and like feedback we've had given back to the department itself, I think throughout our like four years uh, in the Bristol Liberal Arts Department, there has been a lot of confusion, uncertainty. Could you tell me about your experiences of like... <laughs> oh, where do I even begin? Well, I, I mean, just in terms of this this year, I found the Bristol um, administration side incredibly stressful to deal with. Am I allowed to talk about this? Yeah, we're just going to be honest and open. Okay. Um, because I know that they're really busy, but I mean, you know, people have lives other than university as well. And I was offered this work experience in August and I wanted to know when I could sort it out but I didn't have my timetable. I didn't get my timetable till really late. Then when I got my timetable it was wrong but I only found it out, found out over two weeks into the course that, that I had been signed up for an extra module and that I had been stressing about but also been spending hours doing reading for and I just feel like that kind of thing just shouldn't be happening, not in my master's year and it was just extra stress mm. for me. Um, yeah and there's that that comes up a lot with like not only like your general timetable but your exam timetable coming quite late and then we are humans like you know my, my sister's having a baby in January how am I ever meant to plan yeah. my kind of university career around yeah. my human life and this is kind of what this podcast is about is showing like students and staff we're all humans we're not just in this university focused only on this university there are other parts of us other sides of us and we have to negotiate uncertainty ambivalence and like mm. be vulnerable in this setting and it's about yeah developing empathy in that in that way but is there any kind of like moments and periods where you're like oh I don't know if this is for me I think uni has always been for me. There's never been there's never been a doubt that I don't want to be here. I think in first year I was very intimidated by the type of students that were here. Um, I was, so I, I kind of expected I'd read an article and I'd, I'd have to Google some words because I wouldn't understand them. But then when I found that people <laughs> were actually speaking with those words because I just I just came from a little local comprehensive school mm -hmm. where most students didn't actually go to university and it was a really really good that I even got there but but I didn't really all I think for all my A-levels all I was thinking about was just getting there and I didn't quite think about what it's going to be like when I'm there so I found myself talking to people and even I think for liberal arts we had to like read to read each other's essays for a feedback thing and I was just like oh my god I don't use that kind of language like and it wasn't it wasn't. It wasn't that it was like really good. Like I don't know. I can't. I can't really describe it. I just remember really feeling like I. I think I'm. I'm too dumb. Like I. I, mm -hmm. I was getting fine grades, but they weren't. They weren't great. Like they weren't going from mm -hmm. like obviously getting A's because you had to get that to be here to then getting like low two ones. I was like, oh, okay, that's, 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 not, that's not that great. You know, I, I think was I heard a lot of people were getting first and everything. And I was just reading some people's work and I was just like, I don't write like this. And professors were writing like this as well. And I was like, do I have to change the way I write? Because I was and I, I was really starting to question that. So I think that's the, that's probably an example of when I felt like I don't belong. And it really took me until second year 
to actually like embrace my writing and my simplicity, but also my assertiveness when I write. Like I don't dilly dally really. I just get straight to the point. I think that, I think that's really good about your writing. Yeah, well, that's the I thing. know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, and I've actually been told that like since that. Um, that th this is good like I can I, I don't have to well, the best advice that professor ever gave me actually was the long the longer it takes me to read your essay the worse the, 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 the lower the mark it's going to be because if I I'm going to get annoyed at you if I have to keep reading over sentences because I'm not sure what you're saying so he said if I can read through your essay in one take chances are it's going to be a first and, and obviously not if it's like ridiculously simple but the fewer like ambiguities in it the better it will be mm. and so I've really kind of st stuck with that and it has it's been it's been good in the end but I really remember coming to Bristol and being like oh my god yeah. so I'd say that that is, that is yeah I mean because personally I've never doubted Bristol was the place I wanted to be or or liberal arts the course I wanted to do because I do like the different elements of it but the same as Ellie I think I just felt like oh my everyone here is really intelligent and I don't have that same background like for maybe for A-level those were the books I read and I've just done other reading but not the extent to some yeah. the way that some people are so well read on our course um, and the thing is I got a contextual offer to get into Bristol as well so I think when I came and started my course I was like oh god I mm. feel like I should should I be here am for, I even yeah. supposed to be here actually for me it like, wasn't even just academic I felt like I was acquiring a new social language because like my background my like dialect and colloquialisms from like my hometown in Manchester was just there was none of that if it, it, it was really hard to find and I then I'd go home reading week or Christmas I mean my mum would be like you sound so different and then I'd be like having an identity crisis yeah. and I'm like what mm -hmm. is this place doing for me doing to me is it good for me is it but I mean, now I've kind of grown into it, found found my people. But there is this transition period that I think is spoken about a lot, like the A-level to university, and it works for some people, but really it's mm. difficult and challenging and has a lot of doubt. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I think, well, for me, because no one from my school had, had been to, had come to UOB, and I got the impression that, just talking to a lot of people, that they got they, they got advice on accommodation because they spoke to the girl in the year above and then she told them to go to Stoke Bishop blah, blah, blah. and I was like oh god I don't know anyone here like there seemed to be these big groups of people that knew each other's brothers friends they went to school they went skiing they did something there are certain schools that seem to have the whole school migrate yeah. to Bristol University which also they must be having their own issues within yeah. those kind of groups I think because yeah. I, I mean I apply I, my second choice was Durdham up in this flat of really great people who are really down to earth mm. none of the necessarily Bristol stereotypes that you hear mm. all about so I think that for me was if that hadn't have worked out maybe I wouldn't be saying that like feel the same about Bristol or yeah. had such a positive first year experience or felt like slightly not like this was where I was supposed to be it, again that's a very luck of the draw thing that's why that I think people have such different transition for a level to university transition stories um, there's not really like a one yeah. one case kind of thing for everyone, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, the accommodation that you're in can determine so much. Mm. Yeah, I mean, also in the transition process, there's kind of easing your way into university, but then there are these other transitions where, okay, first year didn't really count, it was more learning, and now it does count. And I found that quite a shock as well. And it's not just thinking about the transition, perhaps, from A-level to first year. But, and I think it was considered by our liberal arts staff about the transition back from studying abroad to being back in Bristol. And I think, yeah, okay, that's worthwhile considering. Mm. But also maybe the first or second year as well. But we did have to get a 2-1 in first year in order to go abroad. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, so was, that was always that. there's always been a pressure. Yeah. Yeah. And the higher you got, the the better. Well, the place that you, the more chances that you would be able to get yeah. to the place you wanted to. I didn't know that bit till afterwards, actually. <laughs> well, see, this is again. Yeah. Yeah. That's very telling and quite important. Yeah. yeah. You should know. Everyone should know that. Yeah. There should. It would be. It would be a lot more relaxing to know that all the information is being provided. But then, obviously, the staff under these time pressures and various things i wish i wish there was just like a silver bullet solution where it's just like all the information is being filtered out to the right places um so in terms of your well-being at university where have you gone for support i'd say my initial port of call was friends firstly because i think um a lot of what you could be going through they could also have been going through or they could have gone through especially if it's an academic stress or something um, and I think liberal arts is is quite nice. I think especially now in fourth year, when there's there's so few of us left that we we are a little bit tighter. And I think there's certain things that we all understand that other people won't. Like sometimes we have a little bit of a secret. Well, we in our house there's four liberal artses, and sometimes we do have a bit of a like a secret language almost that they don't really seem to understand. Um, and so I think now especially it would be like fellow liberal artists. I think it I think shared it, experiences are yeah, important. I think I think it depends depends on the issue, but I think that would be my first place to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you guys have been friends since first year. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. We did a yeah, yeah, we did a, um, a presentation together um with two other girls and then we started doing a come dine with me evening and then You see that's a really interesting point because you think it's it would be so useful to embed group work and presentations into more of these arts and humanities subjects, not only as an academic endeavor, but also as a personal one yeah. to develop friends and networks and social capital and all all the stuff that is spoken about as being good for employable students and well-being, but maybe is being missed when they just give you one one essay at the end of the year and you're quite isolated I, in that I experience. I truly think presentations, because, well, we all we, we were yeah. all at, at Utrecht yeah. for, our, for a summer by year abroad, and that was an essential part of the course. You had to, I think, for pretty much every course, you yeah. had to do a presentation. And I I truly, at first, I was like, oh, neck. But I truly think that that was such a good experience, because now when I get up and I, I stand up in front of a group of people... I'm a lot less intimidated. But although, yeah, we might have had the old presentation in first year, second year, not really, and definitely not to the extent that we had them in Utrecht. It was ongoing, wasn't mm. it? It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't just like one presentation assessed. It was like you. You'd sometimes just have to give a pre- yeah. presentation unassessed, but you'd have to do it to pass. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's such a good skill. Yeah. But just going back to what you were saying about mm-hmm. the friends element, mm-hmm. I remember. I just remembered when we did the journalism module, Ellie and I did a journalism module together in first term at UCU, which the place in Utrecht. And um, I remember saying to you, I really want to be in a group with one of our, with who's someone who's now our friend, Martin. Do you remember? And I was like, we should, we should be in a group with Martin because I really want to get to know him. So, I, and then yeah. I remember I went up to him and was like, do you want to be in our group? And he's like, oh, I'm already in someone else's group. Yeah, but it, yeah, then yeah. It, things kind of do... Using like academia... There, there is also much to be said about being in a year abroad context that you kind of you're really less inhibited in yeah. so many senses of that word mm-hmm. and do put, I would never do I don't think I would have done that in Bristol just go up to someone who I kind of looks really cool that I want to get to know and be like can we friend can crush we, can we, can we, <laughs> yeah friend crush but, yeah. I think it's just such a I think it's 
really nice way to be assessed in a way, actually. I know the thing is, actually, for some people, it's really stressful and they really don't like it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we all do have to meet people, talk in front of people, whatever you do in your job, you know, whether that be like ordering in a restaurant or talking to the cashier at Sainsbury's or giving a presentation to a boardroom. You do have to do that. You have to, you have to interact with people. So I think giving a presentation in uni it's quite good in front of your peers and you can learn from your peers and I don't know I think it's a good thing and sometimes there's talk of people not liking group work because they don't like depending on other people for their grades so if you had a non-graded piece of work that is a presentation but you have to do it to pass the unit which I know that was the case with uh, the Arab-Israeli calls me and Ellie did in Utrecht where it was a bit like, oh, well, we're not being graded, but we still, you know, you put effort in because, you know, you don't want to stand up in front of an audience and then, you know, spew out rubbish. (laughs) Um, But I think that's worthwhile because I think having group, like people in your group to present with, but knowing that there's not going to be like, barriers between you because you're like oh you're not doing enough work or you're doing too much or but also you're gonna have to again work in those groups like that Mm -hmm. in life yeah Yeah. and it's not you can't really avoid that yeah i mean if it gets to a point where it's really difficult you do have to bring in the tutor but (laughs) short you you would think it like you know when you're in your third fourth year you should be come on we've all we're paying to be here can we all just pretend if you make it count for five percent i think that could yeah it's just nice to mix up the way we're assessed because it can just be quite relentless doing essays and also you never read anyone else's essay so how do you ever know what's what everyone else is doing and it's nice to be able to hear other people's ideas that you hadn't considered and yeah no definitely i think uh, even if they're not marked i think uh, for one of my modules every week well even for women writers we had to do a little thing every week yeah just something like that to show that you're you can talk to other people and you can the whole class can ask you questions and you just have a a more of a conversation, not necessarily about the reading you've done that week, but about something else. I think that can be so beneficial. Mm. Also, I internalise knowledge way better that kind of way. Yeah. I think at the moment as well, I'm guessing it's the same because we're all on these kind of master's level unit. You, We have an extended essay pretty much at the end of the term. How are you feeling in terms of like fear around that? Because it's just one looming big deal. I'd yeah. say it's worth quite a large proportion I of our degree I percentage. It out, but I think well, uh, this whole year I have five deadlines, including my dissertation. And so I don't have any exams. I just have four essays in the dissertation. And to me, I'm like, oh my God. I mean, in some ways it could be really good because if I do well in these essays, boom. I got it's it's fine, but it's I think it's the fact that it's my it was in January. Yeah. Yeah, my deadlines are in January and I'm like, Oh, that's so far away, but it's already November. Yeah. And I feel like you need to get like uh, in UCU and UJ, we were constantly writing. Yeah. And the engagement that you have in a unit but by constantly writing, although it's sometimes tedious and you're not gonna get everything in, but knowing that you just constantly have to write yeah. and being incentivized to write does improve yeah. our engagement, I think. Yeah. Completely. And also you it stops being this massive fear because you actually have to write essays all the time. Yeah, so, you're so then when it came to midterms and finals and I had to write a 5,000 word essay instead of a 2,000, I was kind of like, okay, well, let's just double that. Okay, whereas a, the thought of a 5,000 word essay at Bristol and I've got one. Yeah. I mean, actually for me, it's a little bit different, I should say, because mm. I'm doing one of the English master's core modules. So I have, I've just submitted a formative essay. So I actually, I'm gonna get some feedback and that's, that's good. really good. And then I do, I'm doing other ones that are only 10%. So that's quite nice about, I guess, the master's core module. So then again, I guess we see the issue of being 
a liberal arts where you're not doing all yeah. the modules that everyone's doing, yeah. you're not you don't get a practice mm. run. Because I just do think fear of failure is exacerbated when it's you've only got one chance and one chance yeah. only mm. because you're looking at the possibilities and the kind of solutions to a bad grade and it leaves you with not a lot of uh, room for a maneuver I guess and I mean I mean how do you respond to these kind of like oh no I've got this looming big essay ahead do you just ignore it or are you finding like ways of mitigating that kind of looming deadline I say at the moment I'm I'm just feeling a little bit of guilt because I'm like I I, I, I not a lack of motivation but because it's just I feel like I'm busy doing other things and then I I feel this guilt because I haven't been doing stuff. That's for the this. worst one is guilt. Yeah. It's always that. It's Whereas, just sat there. But at UCU we didn't get that because I could never feel guilty because guarantee the week before I submitted two essays so I never had that feeling of guilt because I was consistently working but at the moment I feel like I'm consistently working but with no reward at the end and I can't and see no anything. Feedback. You get no, no feedback. feedback. I've got nothing that I can like prove that I've been doing this work. At the moment, it, I try not to think about my deadlines too much just because I think then I'll start looking at the weeks and working out how many weeks I've got left and I'll try and like compact it down to that when really I should just be on top of it and doing reading and research and enjoying it at this stage. Enjoying the process of I learning rather than exactly. like working only around those I deadlines. I shouldn't just be looking towards the end goal. I should be like really engaging with my reading that I'm doing and like looking at different topics and seeing what way my essay is going to go and getting almost excited by that because that's that's what I did miss about UCE working on like a when I was in Bristol, I remember I had a really big essay and it was nice because it was like, I worked on this long project and by the end of it, I was like, wow, I'm an expert in Cold War propaganda. You like come out the other side, yeah. And I still know stuff, whereas if you ask me questions about one of my shorter essays that I spent two weeks on, I wouldn't know anything. So I feel like I really, sh I should start to be enjoying this process, but at the moment, it's it's at the, the awkward distance where it's it's still quite far away, but it's not, but it's getting closer and so it's not quite far away enough. Um, so perhaps as a middle ground, maybe we take what Rhiannon's got and we have this formative essay where you just mm. do it for the sake of feedback's sake yeah. and you know that feedback in this final year of university will be so useful. Mm. Yeah, I, I think I'd... I mean, I'm basically... I don't have an official formative assessment, but the unit where the, the third-year students do and not the master's one, they have a formative one. Oh, and I'm just going to use that as my own personal yeah. one for feedback, and I think that's totally fine. But that requires, you know, a student's own initiative to do yeah. that. Discipline. You and don't it, have the fear. Yeah. I think that's what I miss. I miss having the fear because... When I have that fear, I'm like, boom, library every day. I'll take my dinner to the library as well as my lunch. And I just haven't had that fear yet. And it's really like I want it because I don't have that formative. For me, it is just the, the history students either have, a, they, well, they have an essay and an exam. I don't do the exam. So they've already done the essay. So I just have that one essay. So because they, they didn't have a formative, so I won't either. So at the moment, I just I'm booking in meetings with tutors and that to try and get some fear going, mm -hmm. if, if that makes sense. I want because I want some sort of deadline to make me be like, okay, wow, I've just got to put everything else aside and sit down and do this. Because at the moment, I've been dilly dallying around doing lots of different things, and I haven't been like, whoa. I need to sit down for like two days straight and just do my research because I haven't yeah. felt like I've had to. I think I I've just been trying to. Yeah, that's that is an issue because you just don't have the fear. Yeah. But I think I've been trying to take the discipline that I think I do now have a bit more because I'm now in my fourth year, and it's I think I've very much got the sense of right. Can we let's just go and get this done? You know. So I've been trying to do nine to five in the library, 
and you know essentially just treat it like a job mm-hmm. that I have to do and then trying to set my own goals because the thing is right now because I'm just doing this one module which is worth 40 credits and then my dissertation I have currently two hours of contact hours a week which is very little and which means I have so much time where I don't technically have to be doing anything and no one's telling me what I have to do so I'm having to time manage and if I sort of think oh, I work nine to five Monday to Friday then I think I can deserve to have the weekends off and I can relax. And also then you, I'm giving myself time to mull things over on the weekend. So I'm just trying to be disciplined and for it to come from myself. But, but it is quite difficult because, you know, if you oversleep, there is no... I haven't missed any lecture. I haven't, you know... It's yeah, it's, it's finding true. that balance. And it's then all, all on you, essentially. It's like all this on me. Year is, it's and all how does that feel, the all on you thing? Because it's not always been like that throughout Bristol's university kind of history. In some ways, though, I think I have felt a lot that it's been on me. I wouldn't say that liberal arts or humanities at Bristol in general uh, care that much about their students. I've never had a good relationship with my tutor. I've never had a tutor. Well, my tutor's better this year, but throughout my time at Bristol, I've never had a tutor actually email me to see how I am. Um, I've never had a tutor be like, oh, come in, I want to talk to you about your essay. I've never had proper feedback that wasn't on a like blackboard. In first and second year, I, I wouldn't say that I was proactive enough. I didn't go and actively talk to people and like ask for feedback on my writing and stuff. It maybe more so in second term, but I have. I think I have felt that it's been all on me probably since the very beginning. I've always had very few contact hours, you know, because compa- I lived with two physicists the first and second year, and they were having what plus twenty hours a week, whereas I was would have maybe eight. I think eight is probably when I went to highest. UCU and we had 16 contact hours. That's the most contact hours I've ever had. Yeah. And socialising felt a lot easier because yeah. of like I'm you so were networked in these small mm-hmm. seminar groups. But then I have I think I've had like 10 to 12 contact hours sometimes. But they'd be in large lecture theatres yeah. where I'd be like, because I'm liberal arts and I don't know the philosophy cohort, I'm like, I don't really know anyone here. Yeah. So I'm just going to wait to queue in, queue up to get in and then sigh as I come out. Yeah. You, know? you, don't, you don't actually yeah. have contact at all in those hours. Like you sit there, you tap And you know what? I have really good memories of those academic staff members who have made an effort to be like remembered my name and been like, "How are things going? How's I?" I don't know if you remember Joanna Birch Brown, who was our Ideas and Society, because she's in the philosophy department a lot. She kind of remembered the liberal arts cohort a bit better because it's smaller, and she'd made an effort to be like, "So how are your new units going?" That kind of like, "I'm still, I'm still interested in you, despite the fact that you're not still my student." Yeah, and I remember that, and I think. It, it stayed with me because I was like, I do feel like I belong now in the yeah. philosophy department. I have Aww. a reason. It, I think there's been talk by uh, staff of like, you know, they don't want to develop an unprofessional relationship. It's not really about that. It's more, you know, having just one kind of sign of personable affection where you say like, look, like great work or like, you know what? I really believe that you cared about yeah. my class and I really appreciate that. Yeah. Just some kind of mutual understanding. Also, it's just the recognition like, oh yeah, I- I was here at Bristol, I am here, because I think, you know, when we submit essays with our student number, you just... Yeah, large institution. It's just this so anonymous, yeah. and you just think, if I was to disappear tomorrow, like, did it happen? You know, yeah. was yeah. I ever really here kind of thing? I yeah. don't know. No, I agree. It's different now we're in fourth year, I think. Well, I just think, well, like you were saying about having a relationship with our professor, like, we are all adults, you know what I mean? And we are, like... Oh, I don't know, sometimes, I don't know whether it's just my experiences with history, but sometimes I just want to have a chat. And I've never had a single tutor or anyone just sit down and be like, 
so how are you? I've never had that. And it's just a bit like, I don't know whether it is history and I also don't know whether it's because we're liberal arts and we've, we've, we kind of have had a co like a conveyor belt of staff just go around. We haven't, con from first year, we haven't had one person that's been with us the whole time. We've just had different like administrators and mm. different uh, directors or whatever. I think that's a testament also to the way that like academia is running that yeah. so many mm. staff members are kind yeah. of like channeled off to different universities yeah. Yeah. and it's, yeah, it's hard to have a base. So maybe if there was more kind of a pastoral base in the liberal mm. arts department, just to be like, how are you? Yeah. And they've got these new kind of like, each school has a well-being advisor, but those are quite a new phenomenon. And we're trying to only just navigating where those are, yeah. who they are, and whether they actually really know about me since I started my kind of liberal arts yeah. career or whatever. Yeah. thing is, it's just, it's because I'm fine. Do you know what I mean? That's fine, it's such a bad word, but like, I am like, I'm happy with my degree, I'm happy with my life, but sometimes when you go for a meeting with a tutor, you just want, you want to break down a tiny bit for them to just be, just ask questions, like, also how are your other units? Or just, ha just, just something to remind you that they are also, you just to have, make a nice little chat. There was, well, Karen, who's liberal arts, um, she's away at the moment, but she was the, f like that was the, f I went, we went for a drink with her in Utrecht when she came to visit. And that was the first time I've been like, oh my God, so you professors are, are humans too. You know what yeah. I mean? Cause she just And you know what I found that's so interesting. Like I had two st uh, staff members, one who was art history and one who was philosophy at U Utrecht at the end of our course unit to say like, thank you for participating. Thank you for submitting all those essays. They were like, We'll, we'll take you for a drink and it's on me and I want to know about you and how you yeah. enjoyed it. And I was like, thank you. Yeah. Like, you actually, like, that work wasn't just for nothing. I didn't yeah. just submit a mark on a computer and get one grade and be like, oh, okay, that was that. It was actually meant something. Yeah. And like, also, like, you're, you're, they've taught you something and you've learned from it and you've showed that. And, you know, you share this yeah. common thing. Why can't you go for a drink and talk I about it? also talk about other stuff. I don't know. We're all on this journey together, you know? And yeah. I just feel like... We're some, all in academia yeah, together. Yeah, and sometimes, like, we want to learn. We wa But they also want to learn, but they want to share their wisdom. And we, we're all in it together. So sometimes I'm just like, why does it have to be this complete, like us and them yeah like top-down approach of like yeah. head of we really do have a top like, whereas yeah. in Utrecht that was different because mm. you kind of see professors and in a really like casual kind of way but not never was like inappropriate or it was never like oh you're not supposed to be my teacher do you know what I mean like it was just how it should be because like kind we, of belittles us not as adult young adults who are students but still as like kids if you're like yeah. oh but you're you're my student you know you, you I can't yeah. break down that barrier it's like yeah obviously like with any human being you don't break down too far on the inappropriate barrier yeah. if you're not friends but there's something to be said is like you, when you're with a group of friends you know you can be silly you can throw out any idea and it'll just be it'll be taken with a yeah. pinch of salt or they'll be like oh great but if you're like with a staff member and you're meant to be talking about your essay idea, but you don't feel comfortable enough to like do something creative with your essay and be like, I don't know about you, but I've been thinking this. Yeah. Whereas I felt like I could do that and I went really off the beaten track with one of my essays in UCU, partly because it was the year of broad mindset, loose inhibitions doesn't yeah. count for as much, but also because I'd built up a bit more of a relationship with yeah. Tatiana was her name, was so eccentric, <laughs> <laughs> I loved her. But um, yeah, it was, it was important to have that in terms of me being able to explore kind of my intellectual kind mm. of creativity as well and where I wanted to take you yeah. know, my academic journey rather than just sticking to what was safe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think it, essentially it makes for a better learning environment and a more fruitful degree. Like, because it, it isn't just a grade at the end of the day. Like, you do, you want to remember more than just 
your the number from mm-hmm. like a module and i think yeah. if you do have that kind of rapport with your with your your teacher professor whatever it just makes it more memorable like there's i definitely remember the units that i've done where i've actually really it lights the person teaching me and we've had a good relationship and i just think it makes you just feel it just makes for a, if the well, more comfortable you are the better your learning environment yeah will the thing be. is that it's all very well and good saying you need to come up with your own essay title so, like that's great and i completely am for that but we need to be given the space to then explore it so we know what we're doing. Yeah. Because sometimes uni can be this very much, you go in and you leave again and you have no idea what you're doing, how it's comparing to everyone else. Not in a comparative sense, but more like, are we, am I on the right track? Does this, am I, you know, because you can sometimes do an essay and how do you know you've done it at all right? In terms we of do. well-being, this relies then on students taking up their own responsibility, emailing a, a, a personal tutor or their uh, lecturer and you know what? A lot of people who are struggling are not in a position nor feel comfortable or com- uh, confident or comfortable doing that. Yeah. You know, university is as, a university this big is as t- intimidating as anything. Yeah. To then expect them to like send an email being like, "I'm going to book out this time with you if I can. I need to," talk. and then expect them to just come up with four concrete questions. I mean, I know that's you're expected of that in an intellectual sense. But that, you know, you need that affirmations like whatever comes out of your mouth in this meeting is still valid because you're clarifying ideas. Mm. And I think sometimes I'm expected to have like my detailed, concrete research question in the meetings here. And I'm like, actually, I've just got like all these ideas and it's just all over the place. Because we were told to go to your dissertation meeting with an agenda, which I understand you should have some things you need to say. But also I need to just throw my ideas at someone and I need them to say, this is don't do that. That's too broad or like this yeah this is the right creative sense that's really interesting follow that more you should look at this person that's the kind of support you need yeah. with these meetings not just be told have an agenda i don't want to walk in and they're just like yep no it's really tricky i think uh, yeah because obviously everyone has different perspectives and experiences of yeah. their kind of like what what academic uh, the academy itself should be doing but i think we're, we're touching on important stuff that i think a lot of staff members either thing doesn't exist or like is not common among students mm-hmm. and this is why it's important to actually get you know the first person perspective from students about it so like one more question are you feeling prepared for life after your experience at university oh um in some ways i th- i i think yes but i'm not i don't know whether it's university that's prepared me for that or it's just growing up but I suppose I've done that within the university context. I think... When did you, do you think you grew up the most? Probably year abroad, I think. Being able to step step out, and I was going up to people and like shaking their hands, introducing myself. And I think we were around younger people that are quite a bit there. And so I really felt quite grown up. And I think... And then when I came back to Bristol, I was like, yeah, you know what? Boom. Let's do this. Let's be having it. Final year. Um, but I think... Undoubtedly, university has definitely given me a lot of the skills that I will need for the future. Um, I definitely think that I wouldn't, because we, we both want to go into the media, and I think, I think the ideas and the concepts and the, the, the I've realised how much I don't know since, because I think A levels, I was like, oh yeah, I guess I'm an electrician now. But coming to university, I've been like, oh my god, there's so much I don't know, and I think that that is so good to then take on into the world because I'm not, I'm a lot, not that I was ever really arrogant, but I'm now, I'm a lot less naive. But I'm also a lot more 
willing to learn and willing to accept that there's a lot that I don't know. And I think in the yeah. media world, I think we, a lot of the ideas that we've kind of learned have come from university and I don't know whether I would have been exposed to them without coming here. So I think in some ways I, I am very prepared, well not very, oh God, I'll never be very prepared, but I am prepared for the future. I think, but. I think no one ever feels prepared for the future, but going to university has put me in the environment that I've had so many had so many opportunities put mm. in front of me yeah and also it's made, pushed me to be a person that goes and grabs those opportunities that I did on my year abroad that I've done since coming back and I think I'm going into the future a lot more confident and I've kind mm. of becoming the person I hoped I would yeah you're never there but you're always on your way and I think I think if if my I think if both I think if our eighteen year old selves could see us now doing this podcast yeah. talking talking about serious things they'd yeah. be like oh well done yeah. I think I, and I think we might not be able to do that without university I feel ready to face it I'm yeah, excited bring it on. I think I just feel excited yeah. for everything I feel ex even though we have to work so hard this year I'm really <laughs> excited I know so many great people from coming to university yeah. It's not about, for me, university was never about the essays or the piece of paper I'm going to get at the end. It's been this whole, like, experience. It's a journey, yeah. It's like, we've, like, we've had failures and we've overcome them at university. And some of them have been, some, just, we've got feedback and we know that if we can overcome that, then what, what else yeah. can I throw? I'm sure, I like, always pick up that if I can go to two different countries on my year abroad yeah. and leave one set of group of friends behind in Prague, and then feel completely disorientated in a new country and still pick myself back up, I'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I think that's yeah, that's what we've got to take from it. Because you, you don't... It, the experiences sometimes with uni is it's not the experiences that you can put on a CV or something. It's like mm. all in you... It's just the sort of personal... It's the soft skills. It's yeah. personal stuff, yeah. 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 Which is really important, I think. It's un I think it's still underrated, even with how much we talk about yeah. those kind of things today. Yeah, because I think the a lot of attention to the first class grade and the, or the high two one or whatever or you know kind of were you in enough societies but also like did you feel like you belonged with with a certain group did you find your people did you kind of get in the flow did you enjoy the city there is way more to the student experience that I think is gonna being left on the sidelines yeah. in terms of the whole kind of I must be perfect, yeah. and we're. I think we're all here accepting like I'm okay if I'm not perfect, yeah. because I'm here for an experience that goes beyond what a first class grade can offer me. Yeah. It goes beyond the CV, you know. Yeah. It's not all about that CV, I think. Yeah. Yeah, because you've got to be there in the interviewing. You yeah. two, you know, you guys are positive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, well, yeah. I think we've both changed since being here. Yeah. But for the for a good for, for the back, we're happy. I think. Yeah. I'm happy. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know, all this kind of like transitions, imposter syndrome. You get out at the end and you're like, no, I actually am yeah. happy. Yeah. Also, I'm it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Everything's okay in the end. Yeah. You know, if you yeah. fail on an essay, it's okay. Yeah. If it's what is it? If, if it's if it's not if it's, if it's not, not okay, okay, it's not the end. end. Oh, I love <laughs> it. Yeah. We didn't even prepare that. Yeah, I know. We're in. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, Ellie and Ree, thank you so much for coming on. Oh. You have so much wisdom from my fellow liberal arts <laughs> students today. What a lovely ending to oh, end on. Thank you very much.